This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you all the latest news and information of special interest to new migrants settling in Dunedin. Welcome to Resettling in Aotearoa with Citizens Advice Bureau. Kia ora koutou, no mai ano. Welcome back to Citizens Advice Bureau, Oti Poti Dunedin Monthly Resettling in Aotearoa Show. Ko Anna tuku ingoa. I'm Anna and I'm the manager here at CAB. Uh, today we're going to have a chat about going for small and overnight walks or tramps or hikes and how to prepare and uh, what to think about here. Um, and this is including just short walks that you might just want to do with your family when you're starting out on doing this sort of stuff. And a little about beach safety and then some 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 information about fishing in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So <clears throat> summer is a great time to go outdoors with your friends and or, or whānau. Um, one thing that you might be thinking about this summer is to go for a walk in the bush. And if you are new to this, it's a good idea at first just to keep it simple so that you don't need to take lots of stuff with you and it's easy to organise. If you pick somewhere close to home where you don't have to walk too far, then this gives you a chance to check what the children and or other family or friends can handle. Uh, it also gives you some practice and helps you refine what you need to bring uh, before you might choose to do something a bit more adventurous or staying out overnight. There are some places uh, to help you figure out the walks around Dunedin. The Eyesight Visitor Centre has lots of information and maps that they can give you about walks around Dunedin. Um, and in fact, the walks are also on the DCC website. Um, the Eyesight Dunedin is, is at 50 at the Octagon, and it's in that corridor that leads through to the DCC Service Centre. Um, there's also another website, um, Plan My Walk nz forward slash tracks where you can filter down to walks that are you know are short or long or um, to a specific location and to different levels of difficulty. Um, in the Mountain Safety Council www.mountainsafety.org.nz also has some great information about day walking, how to pack and what to consider. So to be prepared for any situation. If you're going for a walk, it's really important to take certain things, even if you're just going on a short day walk, like a waterproof jacket, cell phone, um, warm clothing, water, food, etc. Um, so there's there's things to consider, such as being aware of the weather. Uh, you know, use the newspaper or listen to the radio or look at the Met Service app to see what the weather's doing. Uh, take regular breaks. Um, and use that time to check in on your group and have a snack and a drink. Always stick together, wait for each other at, at parts of the track where it might go off in two ways. Always wait at those junctions and communicate along the way and always just check the time and how that's going because you've got to return or, unless you're doing a loop. Uh, other things that are quite good um, or, you know, particularly if you've got kids along to keep it fun um, you know, firstly, to be a bit flexible with your expectations and the plan and 
you know, having a, a trial walk is always quite a good idea. But you can do things like listen to native bird recordings before you go. And then when you're out on the walk with your kids or your group, you can sort of try and listen out for them. And um, always remember that your kids will always work walk further and they'll have more fun with another family. It's also nice for the parents to have other adults come along. Um, it's a good idea to test the packing of your backpack before you go and remember the weight that, you know, might seem okay at the start, but after a bit of walking, it'll, it'll be heavier. And only just take what you need because your kids won't want to carry much. Um, it's always a good idea to give everyone, especially kids, their own snack pack so they can just eat it when they want to. Um, you can also do things like take a bird or plant guide, think of some fun games to play if the kids start getting a bit um, whiny or tired. You can do leaf rubbings, you can take a journal, write stuff if the kids are into that sort of thing. Um, also, you can get the kids to take turns taking photos. So if you're planning to spend a bit more time in the bush, like an overnight trip or a full day walk, there are some things that you need to be aware of. Firstly, sometimes after severe weather, some of the Department of Conservation sites might be closed. Um, and this can be checked on the Department of Conservation website, um, which is www.doc.govt.nz. Um, and D Department of Conservation New Zealand is often referred to as DOC. The New Zealand bush, which is our indigenous forest, is really beautiful, but you need to be prepared um, there's, you know, for potential dangers like the very unpredictable weather and some difficult terrain sometimes. If, and if you're new to um, the New Zealand bush, it's worth teaming up with an experienced tramper or hiker or, or going with a commercial guide. Uh, you can also use the Department of Conservation website, which I just gave you, www.doc.govt.nz, and search um, for certain regions like Otago, and there's a whole lot of filters you can use. So you can filter it down to the hikes that um, allow dogs, ones that are suitable for buggies, what the level of difficulty is, like easy, intermediate, advanced, expert, and each of those is explained in more detail there. Um, you can also search on the duration of the trip, like ones that are under an hour, ones that are between one and four hours, overnight ones, multi-night ones. And these this is for the whole of New Zealand, so it's a pretty good resource. So for these longer full-day walks in the bush, there are certain further things that you need to take to be safe and prepared. Um, like a day pack with a waterproof liner, always a drink bottle with one or two litres of water, um, pack lunch and snacks, and um, pack more than you think you need, um, fully charged mobile phone, although some areas don't have reception, and so you, there's other forms of communication that you can take. Um, that mountainsafety.org.nz website has some examples. Personal medication like antihistamines or asthma medication, Always take a extra base layers, like that's the layer that's against your skin and extra socks in case they get wet or um, yeah, you just need to put on more, more layers. Always take a rubbish bag. That's really important. You never, ever leave anything behind in the bush, no matter how small it is. Um, and the map, a map of the area you'll be working is pretty critical. And also a small paid or, spade or trowel, and that's for toileting, which I will discuss later. Um, again, emergency equipment's pretty important, basic first aid kit, insect repellent, sunscreen, head torch, um, 
and spare batteries, you know, in case your walk takes longer and it ends up dark, you, you're going to need some light. Survival blanket, in case there's an emergency. A whistle in case your group gets split up um, or you need help. And always take some extra high-energy snack food. Um, yeah, so have, as I've said, the conditions can change. So clothing, um, it's important to take clothing for every scenario. It's important to have good hiking boots with good ankle support and grip or other sturdy footwear. Um, a, sun, a sun hat or warm beanie, pack one and wear the other. Um, sunglasses, wear or pack. A base layer, um, top and leggings in polypropylene wool or and quick dry shorts or pants. Mid layer, like a long sleeve top, wool or polar fleece. And again, wear or pack it depending on the weather. And gloves, pack if it's warm, but just take them in case. And socks, which also should be in polypropylene or wool. And then an extra layer, always have a wind and waterproof jacket with a hood. And, um, you know, the other option could be waterproof trousers. You've always got to tell someone what your plans are. Um, and you can leave your intentions. Yes, you have to leave your intentions before you go. There's this website that you can do that on. That's on the Mountain Safety website. They have an online intention form. And tell a trusted friend or family member what you're doing, where you're going, when you're planning to be back. And other things you might want to take, things like swimming gear and a towel or a camera, depending on where you're going. So if you're tramping overnight, um, again, make sure you're really well prepared. Um, and there's a there's a whole lot there's a thing called a land safety code. It's really important to read that and follow all that information. It's all about understanding the weather, choosing the right trip for you, packing those extra clothes and food, which we've just mentioned above. Best ways to take care of each other, and uh, all more information about sharing your plans and ways to get help. Um, Again, need to say this, that the terrain is beautiful, but it can be highly changeable and the same can the, so can the weather conditions. Um, the other thing, as we mentioned above, is another forms of, form of communication because cell phone coverage isn't complete in some of these areas is a personal locator beacon and you can hire or purchase them on www.beacons.org.nz. Um, and it's really important to have a personal locator beacon. The Adventure Smart website, which is www.adventuresmart.nz, um, has a copy of that land safety code that you can download and print. Um, and like I said, it's a guide to consider what to consider before you go hiking. Um, and it's also available in several languages on that website. Um, they also have a downloadable outdoor intentions form. Um, which you can print and complete, and then you can give the completed form to your contact person. Um, and if you do not return when they expect you to, they will have the right information that they can give a search and rescue team. So um, where do you stay when you're on these overnight or multi-night walks or hikes or tramps? So the Department of Conservation have huts on conservation land that you, you can book in advance. Uh, dock managers a network of around our 950 of these huts, and they're all shapes and sizes. They're pretty unique places to stay. They give you refuge from bad weather um, yeah, when you're exploring out there. They usually have sleeping platforms and long drops, which is the toilet, so that's a long drop, a big hole in the ground, um, with a seat on top of it and a wee shed. Composting toilets, 
maybe they may be there as well. Um, they often have candle holders if there's no lighting provided. They sometimes provide gas or wood for heating, and they'll probably provide an axe if it's wood, so you can chop the wood. Water in these huts is supplied from river or rainwater, so it needs to be boiled. And there's also an intentions book in every hut that you must always fill in, um, so that if you've so people can see if you've been in that hut, if if you've gone missing and they're looking for you. Um, and there's also brooms and brush and shovel, etc., to keep the hut clean and tidy. And you've always got to clean up after yourself. They they don't have any food or cooking utensils. You have to take your own. They don't have sheets or blankets, so you've got to take a good sleeping bag, and that's really important. Make sure it goes down to like minus ten or something. Um, and there's no rubbish collection. You have to take every single bit of rubbish with you. Um, and there's no showers and there's no toilet paper. You got to take your own toilet paper. Uh, some of the New Zealand Great Walks huts have wardens in peak season and that's the busy season and they will check your hut pass or your ticket and provide information for you like the weather or places of value to look at or little sidewalks that you might want to do. Um, the Great Walks in New Zealand, um, which is such like the Abel Tasman, the Heafy Track, the Kepler, the Milford, the Rootburn, they have to be booked as there can only be so many people on these walks at one time. Um, and you can book a hut and great walks on the bookings.doc.govt.nz website. You can also stay in Department of Conservation campsites. Um, they more, manage more than 250 campsites uh, on New Zealand cons on conservation land. Um, you can check them on the um, again on the doc website doc.govt.nz. Some you can book in advance, others it's first in first served um, basis and their bookings are required for all service campsite and some scenic and are not, sorry, some scenic and standard campsites in peak season which is usually October through to April, the end of April. Some campsites are not bookable but may have a fee and you pay your fee at the self-registration stand at the campsite or to the camp warden and you have to put the correct fee in the envelope provided so you'll need cash in a place and oh, sorry so yeah you'll need cash and then you need to put the receipt section of the envelope on your vehicle or tent and the camp range the, the dock rangers um, check these have been paid. You can also purchase a camp campsite pass actually um, that can be purchased which gives you access to all the conservation campsites around New Zealand. Um, if you'd like to find out about the features of a particular national park you can visit the DOC website again to read all about the national parks here. So as I mentioned earlier um, the, this this isn't really important information about going to the toilet in the bush. So every hut that we talked about has a loo, so make sure you use it when you're there. Otherwise, you'll have to find an alternative toilet option. So you've either got to dig a hole well away from people, you've got to dig 50 metres away and 20 centimetres deep in a sunny spot to speed up composition. So you walk at least 50 metres, it's about 70 steps from water, tracks and campsites. Dig down about 20 centimetres, that's about the length of your hand, and that's why I said in your um, stuff to take a little trowel, and use as little toilet paper as possible, um, or soft leaves or bark, don't use bleach toilet paper or wet wipes, and you bury your poo and all the toilet paper with the soil and you fill it up to the top. And why is this important? Because without going well away and digging down, it's, you know, poo can spread nasty diseases, and 
that can cause diarrhea, nausea, and stomach cramping. And of course, many of the huts, like I said, get their water supply from streams. So if the supplier has contact with poo or any of this, these diseases, then outbreaks or sickness can occur and spread. The other option is to carry it to the next stop. You can buy things like poo pots and or compostable bag and tie it up and put them in the poo pot. And then when you get to a toilet, you have to dispose of it properly. Um, yeah. So the next thing is fishing. What if you want to try fishing? What are the rules regarding what you can take from the sea? Well, there are limits to the size and number of fish you can take when, when fishing recreationally. Um, these limits vary from region to region and are managed by the Ministry for Primary Industries. And you can find out all the limits of fish species and shellfish. So this is this is in the, in the sea we're talking about firstly. Um, and that's their website, www.mpi.govt.nz. And um, some things to remember is that it's illegal to sell or trade fish that you've just caught rec recreationally. Um, Breaking the rules can lead to prosecution, fines, and pro and uh, property confiscations. Only those that are physically involved in taking the fish or the, the lobsters or the shellfish can claim a catch within the daily limit. So just because you've got all your family there, if they're sitting in the car or playing on the beach, if they're not actively fishing, you can't claim a catch limit for them for the day. Um, any unwanted or unlawful catch above your daily limit, undersized fish, fish and take it, fish that are unintentionally caught, etc., must be immediately returned to the waters from which they were taken dead or alive. Um, you can also find out the fishing rules for your area by installing and using a free smartphone at New Zealand Fishing Rules. Um, you can send a free text to 9889 and just say what it is, like blue cod, snapper, power. Um, and it will come back with the size and the limit number. Um, you can't fish in dock marine reserves. They're all on the dock website as well. Um, if you're going to go on a boat, you have to practice good water safety when you're fishing. And how to stay safe on a boat, you can find out on the Maritime New Zealand website. And also stay safe information while you're fishing is also on the Water Safety New Zealand website. Um, what do you do if you've seen someone breaking these rules? Well, poach so poaching can destroy populations of fish, so, you know, power or other sea life, and it's serious threat to the environment. So you can call 0800 for poacher, 0800 476 224, or email poacher at mpi.govt.nz, and it goes straight to someone who you can relate the information to about someone who's taking more than they should, taking undersized fish, or acting suspiciously like trying to sell cheap fish from a car or for cash it's really helpful to have to tell them as much detail as you can location date time of the offense the species the fishing the method they're using how many people are involved and how to and describing them vehicle or trailer registrations boat names and what the activity was and it's all totally confidential so you never have to worry that that the person that you um reported is ever going to find out who you were um, so the fishing officer may investigate immediately or they might just keep the information for future investigations. When you collect um, seafood or fishing, you have to be really aware of food safety. Shellfish may become unsafe to eat due to biotoxins or other chemicals, bacteria and viruses. It's going to depend on things like the type of shellfish you eat, 
you know, where they were growing, the water they were growing in, if there was any contamination, whether they were deteriorated after you caught them and how you stored them. And, um, and also your own immunity plays a part in that, like young people, older people, pregnant or anyone that's immune compromised are all more likely to suffer serious effects. Um, yeah, so don't eat raw or uncooked shellfish in those instances. Um, how can you tell if a correction area is clean? Um, there are marine biotoxin alerts. New Zealand Food Safety regularly tests marine biotoxin samples from popular collection areas around New Zealand's coastline. Um, and that warnings will be issued through the paper, television, radio stations, and on the food safety website, which is mpiwebsite.govt.nz. Um, and and the, the warnings are removed once the levels have reduced and the area is deemed safe to collect shellfish. Shellfish. They, they can stay in place for several months, depending on the species. Areas near sewer, sewer or stormwater outfalls um, have permanent... Oh, sewer ones will have permanent warning signs um, and temporary warning signs may be put up around um, if, if sewage spills over or, you know, by the stormwater outlets. Um, so only take seafood from areas with clean water. Keep it chilled and in the shade using ice packs or covering with a wet towel. Use a chilli bin to store it um, and on ice and put it in the fridge, and fridge as soon as you get home and use it within two days. Freshwater fish has got different rules. It's regulated by fish and game, and different regions have different regulations. Um, it's it's regulations are to ensure that they the, the fish populations are maintained and sustainable, and it's a good experience for everyone. And the spawning areas are protected. There's again rules around um, bag limits and the length of fish you can keep. Um, there are also you have to get licenses to fish in lakes and rivers in New Zealand and there's different licenses for the whole season or for one day or for three days and different prices for adults and juniors and children under 12 are free, but they still actually need a license. Um, you've, and you've, there's, there's, there's code of conduct for that fishing as well, like to get in, you know, when you're on um, people's land around not parking over gateways. If you find a gate open, leave it open. If it's found shut, leave it shut. You know, if there's, it says no dogs, then respect it. You always respect the environment, the wildlife, um, and never take, always take any personal liver fr litter from the riverbanks. Don't all lake sides don't ever leave um, anything there. And the only way um, that we can protect our rivers in the long term um, is to also check and clean and dry all your gear before you enter another river or, or a lake anywhere in New Zealand because that stops the spread of something bad happening in one place being transported somewhere else. Um, yeah. So the full code of conduct, um, you can visit fishandgame.org.nz website. Okay, so next month we will um, we're going to look at finding safe beaches and other beach information, other camping options apart from the ones we've discussed today, and your rights around renting holiday accommodation. Um, the Citizens Advice Bureau website, www.cab.org.nz, has many articles on what I've shared today. So take a look there. You can always call Dunedin directly on 
0347161666 or use our nationwide free phone, which can be answered anywhere, 0800-367-222 if you need free help, advice and information on absolutely anything. We also have three language assistance services, including um, being able to book the Tafara or a face-to-face interpreter um, service to be here with you, but it has to be booked ahead. Um, we're at 155 Princess Street, and our hours are 10 to 4, Monday to Friday, and 10 to 1 on, we close at 1 on Friday. You can email us inquiry via our website under Find a Cab along the yellow ribbon on our homepage. Um, and also email us. You can follow us on Facebook, CAB Dunedin, and on Instagram, citizens.advice.dunedin. Uh, Namihi Kia Koto, thank you for listening in. And to Otago Access Radio and Jeff for hosting us this evening. Noho ora mai. Stay well. Matewa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.